Well, to another edition of our 76 Capital Leadership Series. My name is Wayne Kimmel, Managing Partner of 76 Capital and your host of the 76 Capital Leadership Series. Really excited to have a special guest today, Joe McLean. Joe McLean is the Managing Partner of Intersect Capital. As you can see, you can follow Joe at McLean 15 on Twitter. And you could also follow me at Wayne Kimmel on Twitter and at Wayne Kimmel all across the internet as well. This series is something that we do here at 76 Capital is to highlight the leaders in the sports industry, in the business industry, the entrepreneurial community in and around the sports industry. And it's been a great series that we've been able to do. And you can follow all of the shows that we've done on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. And you can also subscribe to the whole series on YouTube. So without any further ado, I'd love to get to our, our guest today. Very excited to bring on Joe McLean, the managing partner of Intersect Capital, known as one of the money whisperers to the super rich of the NBA elite. That's what the New York Times called him. Joe, welcome to the show. That nickname. Well, they got the New York Times, right? I mean, they 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 went with it, right? So um, it's it's been really really great. I got I got to give you a lot of credit. You know, you you've really put yourself out there and uh, made yourself um, in not only just from a press perspective, but truly one of the leaders in the uh, money management world, um, specifically for um, a number of of professional athletes, very high profile athletes. Uh, that we'll we'll talk about on the show, and some of which have have been in the press, whether that's Clay Thompson or or Nolan Arenado from the Colorado Rockies, uh, Sergey Garcia um, on the PGA Tour, and just uh, you have NFL players. I mean, just very very impressive. So again, Joe, thanks so much for coming on. No, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it's it's uh it's it's a lot of fun to get a, to to do these shows, and one of the things that we do on our 76 Capital Leadership Series is I want to learn. And, and share stories um, of how someone can, you know, be like you in the future, be a true leader um, in the financial world. And uh, one of the things that we've done, which has been which has been really interesting, is to hear the story of the of each of our guests. So, Joe, I'd love to hear from you. Where did you grow up, and what was it? What were some of the things that you did as as, as a young kid? Yeah, I, and I could I could tell you from the very beginning, this is, doing what I'm doing now is definitely not something I ever thought. You know, I grew up thinking about. Um, I actually grew up not too far from you in in Western Pennsylvania, uh, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And when I was 11 years old, my dad uh, got transferred uh, to either we either had to go to Houston or we had to go to California. It was in 1984. Um, I don't know if you remember the T Boone Pickens days, which was the corporate raiders coming in. Uh, with a lot of mergers and acquisitions and he had worked for a company called golf oil um, and so we ended up being transferred to california when i was 11 uh, and going into the sixth grade uh, i was a big basketball guy uh, that was my first passion that's that's kind of what i always wanted to do was to play professional basketball um, and going to california ended up being a great uh, a great opportunity for me you see you know brent berry there i i grew up playing with the berry brothers drew berry um, brent John was a little older. Scooter was before us, um, but in the sixth grade is when I when I met uh, a young point guard named Jason Kidd, and uh, we played we played summer ball and all AAU ball together. And he's really the, he was the reason why I got my college scholarship because the whole world would come see him play, um, and I just made I made shots at the right time in front of the right people. Uh, so it was a lot of a lot of luck and timing for me, which which I've found is also very helpful uh, for success throughout the rest of your life too. Well, certainly Jason Kidd knows how to get the ball to the right person at the right time. I mean, he can, you know, that, that's not, that's not a bad uh, point guard to play with. It's unbelievable. I mean, he was, I, I mean, literally from the time sixth, seventh grade, everybody was talking about him already. You know, the shoe companies were all over him. You know, we would go to these, it really was only one tournament a year in Vegas. Uh, they didn't have all these AAU events. Uh, and so they were going after him in the seventh grade. Uh, and he's, he's one of the guys that I was around where I saw, you know, actually exceeded expectations as a, as a, as a hall of famer, a world champion, but you, you could see it in the seventh grade. It was already there. It was and, and getting a chance to play with him. And you imagine how many other guys have gotten paid, um, 
in their career because of him just being on the floor with them. Um, you know, he's he's done a lot of good, and now he's he's doing really well in, in his coaching roles. That's great. You, you, you know, you mentioned the Barrys and, and, and Jason Kidd. Do you stay in touch with these guys? With these, we do. Yeah. So, you know, Brent and, and Drew, they were they were interesting. You know, we, we, we've always stayed in touch. They they all the Barry brothers redshirted uh, in college. Uh, even John, who had, you know, 10 plus year career in NBA, went to a junior college, uh, Paris Junior College, and then got got on with Georgia Tech. They all developed much later. I unfortunately peaked at about 16, 17, and these guys went on to have, you know, 15-year careers. Well, you certainly had a had a nice career, and uh, you were able to, after after high school, go on and play at the University of Arizona under the, the legendary Lute Olson. Mm -hmm. uh, what were the, what was that experience like for you? Uh, it, to this day, it was it was a great a great choice for me. Um, in terms of playing, playing for Coach Olson. Sometimes when you're coming, going into college, the question is, do I want to go to a smaller school, get a bunch of shots, uh, you know, and try to really bet on myself personally, or do you want to be part of a team? And and Lute Olson was somebody that, uh, you know, was was hard to play for uh, because it was very demanding. Uh, it was also an environment that you constantly, every single year, they were recruiting another another star. Um, I think in one one year we we had ten NBA players on our team me not being one of them. Uh, and so the competitive nature was was off the charts. Um, but Coach Olson now is someone that I can lean on on a monthly basis. The, the great thing that we had at Arizona, similar to Coach K, um, was that we had one common denominator for 26 years, and that was Lute Olson. So I knew the players from 1986, 87, 88, uh, to the players of 2000 to 2005, we all played for him, uh, and it became that fraternal organization uh, that we're all very close for everyone that played for him. Um, and we were able to take a lot of life lessons out of that. Um, we have one of my teammates as a head coach at the University of Pacific, a guy named Damon Sotomar, uh, who was Rookie of the Year. Um, you see Sean Elliott there, um, Steve Kerr. There's a lot of leaders in the community throughout all these different industries and they all take the same uh, foundation that coach Olson gave us, which was uh, a lot of hard work, you know, incredible preparation. I think he was maybe the best preparation coach I've ever seen. We won every preseason tournament because we were already months ahead of any other team uh, in terms of preparation. And, and most of the guys that are in, whether they're in sports or doing what I'm doing or any other industries, um, we have a guy named Harvey Mason, who's who's uh, four or five time Grammy winner. It, it all was about preparation uh, and you know, being humble with what you do, but work your butt off uh, and be over prepared. And it's translated for life after sports for us. Yeah, it's it's really incredible. We had a, a guest earlier on our, our 76 Capital Leadership Series. We had Reggie Love, uh, who played at Duke and then also uh, was the body man for President Obama. And he talked about the preparation, almost exactly, the, almost the same words he talked about with Coach Olson. He had the same feelings and, and when he was with, with Coach K. You know, and, and one of the things we talked about was sort of going behind the scenes. I mean, just like, um, you know, you, you went, your, um, I believe it was your freshman year. Was it your freshman year you went to the Final Four or was it your sophomore year? Sophomore year. Sophomore year. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that must have been an, inc an incredible experience. Yeah, it, it's we got to experience the high highs and the low lows. So freshman year, um, we were the two seed that lost to the 15 seed. Uh, we were we lost to Santa Clara, which was Steve Nash. Um, and thank, thankfully, Virginia uh, got knocked off as a number one seed. So no one talks about us as much. And then the following year, you know, we went you know all the way to Charlotte and got to experience the final four, which was, you know, at the highest of highs. Um, but I'd be willing to bet that if I looked at those two experiences learned way more in losing to Santa Clara than I did in going to the final four. Um, and, and part of that is we had this abundance of talent. Um, we were set, we, we still set this pac 10 record, 17 wins and one loss uh, and, but lost the first game in, in, in the NCAA. Uh, and a lot of it was just, you know, the connectivity and the culture and, and us not coming together uh, and taking a team lightly. Um, we learned from that, which we then applied to the following year with, with basically the, almost the same team and took that first game and second game in the tournament a lot different than we did the year before. 
Um, so, you know, it's, it's, I love seeing those pictures and there's a lot of good friends there, both the coaches and, and, and the players. Um, but we certainly, you know, over time, coach really focused, got us to get out of our comfort zone. When I look at the team and I think about the experiences, it's, it's, it's not just the stuff on the court. Uh, but the one thing he made all of us do um, is we had this leadership program where we had to go uh, do public speaking. And we would start with, you know, depending on how comfortable you were with speaking out in public, a lot of us started, we had to go to a kindergarten class uh, and then a second grade class. Uh, and then we worked our way up because the, almost everyone um, at that point was playing four years in college. So by the time you were a senior, you had to go give a, a high school graduation speech. Uh, and so when you think about those four years and getting out of your comfort zone, both on the court and off the court and pushing yourself, um, I never thought, I never realized at that, that, that time how valuable that was. Because when I got my first job, um, I was in, I was selling mutual funds to financial advisors and I had to get up and give presentations. Um, and I love doing it. I'm, I'm an introvert probably in life, but when it comes to work, I had no problem getting up on a stage and speaking. And it was all the stuff that we started with in terms of talking to kindergarten kids in third grade, sixth grade, all the way to high school. I had no idea the amount of preparation that, that went into that and what coach made us do and how valuable that would be for life after life after sports. Wow. Those are, that, that's an amazing lesson, an amazing thing that you've done. And again, my name's Wayne Kimmel, uh, managing partner at 76 Capital. With our 76 Capital Leadership Series, we have a great guest in Joe McLean, managing partner of Intersect Capital. You can see, find Joe on Twitter at Joe McLean 15. Please follow him and, and look at all the things that he does from a financial perspective. Amazing what he's doing with all, some of the top athletes um, all across the, the country. Um, Joe, I mean, the stories you're telling about Arizona is pretty, pretty super impressive. My brother-in-law, I think I've mentioned to you, you know, he played football at Arizona around the same time as Sean Elliott and Steve Kerr and, you know, even in, in Kenny Lofton and those guys. And it's just interesting to hear about the bond, not only from the basketball side, but from even the football guys. He said that there was one weight room at the time. So all the guys got to know each other and they just have super, such a super, you know, it's almost like a familial relationship now. Yeah, I mean, a couple. Of, it all comes together. Tucson's a great college town, um, and having that common denominator and coach. Uh, and, and like I said, it was we didn't have all the the facilities that most colleges have now, um, and everything was at McHale Center. So you know, whether we we were doing your tutoring, whether you're a practice, um, you know, our that's where we had breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, so it was a very communal place, and um, that's the best part of. I can't believe it's. You know, I, I left in 96. Um, and so you see now decades of, of what's going on in life after. And so just to have the connectivity of everybody, some people are coaching, some people are training, some people are in all aspects of business, some people are in music. Um, and it's and we try to, the beauty of social media is the ability to, to follow everybody. Um, but it's, it's, it's been fun just learning from what everybody else is doing and, and staying connected. Well, one of the things you just mentioned, you know, prior to this are, is, is actually was really interesting. Things you've learned, you learned when you were at um, Arizona playing for um, Coach uh, Olson. You know, it's one of the things that at 76 Capital we look at, you know, when we look at a number of our entrepreneurs and especially if they've been athletes and you start to think about it, and also how many cases the athletes that are involved in our athlete venture group and how they help our entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. Because we talk about some of the, you know, to be a great athlete, to be a, a top level collegiate athlete, to be a professional athlete, you got to have incredible persistence. You got to have that drive and that desire and that passion to be really successful on the court. But at the same time, when you think about business and running Intersect Capital to, you know, what we do at 76 Capital to run a successful, um, you know, entrepreneurial business, those same qualities that you need to be successful to get to the final four, to make it to the pros, you have to have those same qualities. So it's so interesting to see how athletes can sort of bridge that that with with entrepreneurs and also many times give them the, the confidence. Do you see that as well within within your world? I do. It, it took a while. You know, that was a that was a major adjustment for me to go from playing a game to then having to figure out what to do with the rest of my life. You know, I, I didn't get once I stopped playing, it wasn't I didn't know right away. Okay, I'm going to get into financial services. I'm going to sell mutual funds at first. 
Um, and then I'm going to build a career. And then eventually I'm going to service athletes. I never, never had that path and, or a business plan to say, this is what I was going to do. Um, it really, it, for me, I learned that I've got to keep seeking other coaches out in my life. So when I left, you know, college and left, left the pros, uh, overseas after getting cut 11 times in, in five years, just as you're mentioning, what I didn't realize is getting cut all the time and being told you can't do something that you want to do, um, were these great assets that I was accumulating, um, over time. Um, I, I remember a moment when I took my first job and I got my first new boss, his name was Jim Escobedo. Um, and the very first day on the job, he says, you need to understand something. You don't know nothing about nothing. And the sooner you realize that, the sooner you'll start wanting to learn as much as you possibly can to get better at what you're going to do. And I really, I honestly didn't know what a mutual fund was. I didn't know what a stock was. I didn't know what a bond was. I, you know, I had some money invested um, through somebody at Merrill Lynch, but I didn't know what he was doing. Um, and I didn't, I didn't understand that. This was in 99 when if you just bought anything that said .com, it was going through the roof. You know, you you buy it at 10, the next day it was at 100. It's like, this is, I love investing. But then all of a sudden, March of 2000, everything crashes. And that was a great, that was a great lesson to learn early on as a young investor. But you're right, all those attributes of persevering, not being afraid to fail, which I think is one of the great, great qualities and assets any athlete can have. Um, because what happens is you fail most of the time and everyone says you talk about you should really learn from the the failures the first thing i learned was that the next day it's like who cares i just failed right and let's keep moving forward you know what did you learn great let's keep moving nothing happened right you're still living everything's okay um so let's go try it again and 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 so the more you failed it's like more i realized like just keep moving forward keep learning um don't be embarrassed, you know, because when I got into business, I noticed some people were just afraid to get out of the box a little bit and, and try things. Um, I did learn very early that um, I was a role player in sports, so that was a good fit for me um, in business. And what I learned early on was that whatever job I had, I knew that's the job I got to do at the highest level I possibly can. Right. I didn't want to go into this job thinking about the next job. Um, because I saw a lot of that where it's like, well, I don't like what I'm doing. And, you know, I want to tell everyone to get, I want to get this other job. It's like, no, just do the, do whatever you have to do today, do it at the highest level you possibly can. And that'll reserve the right to get that next opportunity. What I then realized when I got into the financial advisory world, not to, to jump around was some of those attributes that I had as an athlete can also be very detrimental when it comes to how you think about investing your capital, right? So now I work with, with people that have an abundance of money uh, and wealth with a mindset to that they're willing to bet on themselves at all costs. That, that's not necessarily the way you want to think about you know, investing your money over time, um, whether you're working as an entrepreneur, um, it's, you got to be sensible. This, a lot of times this is, this is your home run. You've already hit it. You're wealthy. Uh, we don't need to take all the risks um, going forward. So it, you've got to be much more calculated and tempered. Um, so some of those attributes are really good that you can apply. Some of them, you just have to be aware of them uh, and how that correlates to whatever it is that you're trying to do. Yeah, great pieces of advice and really excited to have Joe McLean, the managing partner of Intersect Capital on our 76 Capital Leadership Series. And Joe, I mean, you know, you you played at Arizona, you played overseas, you had a cup of coffee in the NBA. Um, love to, you know, hear a little bit about that. But even before we get there, I mean, or, or say, let's let's jump over that for one second because we've been talking about the, the financial side of things. And I think it's really fascinating what you do with, you know, some of the high profile athletes that you work with. Um, but, you know, the name of your, your uh, financial, uh, company is called Intersect Capital. And I'd love to hear the story behind that and why you call it Intersect Capital. So initially, uh, we were we were sitting in, uh, I was actually at Rucker Park, uh, and I was with one of our clients. Um, his name was Isaiah Thomas, right? And he had, he had been a two-time all-star, uh, and I had, our the original name was Financial Horizons. 
And uh, because a lot of 70% of our clients was were retirees and we were actually looking at a deck and it was a vision of this sun setting. And a lot of our clients were like, you know, their sun's rising. And he's, you know, they looked at this and said, what, what's that? The, my, the sun's setting. My, my world's rising. That doesn't make any sense. So we have, we were in Rucker Park. And, and Isaiah can rise. That guy can jump. <laughs> no he's doubt. He's going to rise in the day. So just be ready. Everyone's kind of, everyone's forgotten about him. He's going to come back. Um, I promise you. That's, that's a guy that you always want to bet on. Um, and for me, that's someone that I wake up every day trying to go all in and working hard for him because he's all in in his life. Um, but we were sitting at Rucker Park, and this is the first time he was ever there. And he's like, man, I, tonight I got to come. I got to show out. Um, you know, it's a whole different level of respect that that and a little bit of pressure that he was feeling. And it's like, man, you're a two time all star. What are you talking about? He's like, no, I got to I got to come correct here tonight. And we just kind of I just jokingly said, you know, OK, now you got Rucker. You got the in just down the street, you got Wall Street. And so the intersection in his life that that had a lot of meaning to him was Rucker and Wall. And when I was thinking about creating a new name, Rucker and Wall initially was metaphorically was going to be the new name. And then I actually said, well, that sounds like a law firm or something like that. So um, we just basically shortened it from intersection to intersect. Um, and the name really represents a lot of different things. It's defining the next milestone in your life. What is that intersection that you're trying to get to? Um, you know, the, the intersection, if, if you're saving and you have a plan, that's going to lead to the intersection of financial freedom. Um, if you're overspending, that's going to lead to the intersection of going broke. Um, and so defining what is your intersection in life that you're trying to get to um, is critical. But it's also for us, and I think I love, I love what you're doing right now um, with this series and, and everything you've, you've put out. It's really about intersecting human capital, intellectual capital, and financial capital. And, and that's part of what intersect and where the name comes from as well, is just having that networked experience for all of us um, so that we can be better individuals and collectively be a better community. Well, I, I really appreciate that. And I, and I love this, um, this saying underneath your services, mining your money is an art a discipline and a science. Um, I think that's, that's really, that's, you don't see that typically from a, a financial, financial organization. And I think that's, that's pretty awesome what you, what you have there. Yeah. It's, it, it, I think everyone in the business tries to be some, you know, some form of customization, but the best relationships we have are, are not relationships to where someone has money. I'm telling them what to do. They make the investment and they're they're not a part of the ride. I, I think all of this can be a co-pilot. Um, we only get to do this once. Um, and it's something where we never stop learning. You know, I, I'm I'm in it 21 years now, and I think we all know that you just keep you keep learning every single day. And if I could learn from the people that I serve, um, and I could lend lend some some ideas as to how to think about things over time, how to control your emotions how to put a plan together, how to define next milestones. Then this becomes a more of a mutual respect and accountability relationship um, that I really appreciate and enjoy. And, and that's really, that, for me, the value selfishly was that the team came back. So when I left sports, the biggest thing you miss is not necessarily the games, right? It, it really is the bus rides in the locker room and the camaraderie and the schedule, the sense of accountability those are all things that you have every day and all of a sudden it's taken away from you. Uh, and so for me to have this team concept back, it's like I'm back in sports. I'm just doing something different now. That's yeah, it's, 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 it's so, so great to hear. Again, it's, it's awesome to have Joe McLean on our 76 Capital Leadership Series, the managing partner of Intersect Capital, working with professional athletes, current retired all through the um, financial management world. And, you know, one of the things that Joe, I, I was really interested in, in also understanding was that, you know, when you, when you first started, you know, how did you decide, you know, how did you find your first clients? How did you go out and, 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 and get the business up and running? So, you know, when I first started, I, none of the, none of the clients were um, athletes. They were, they were retirees. I had started a company called Sanford Bernstein, who, who gave me really good training uh, for several years. Um, 
And I had already been in the business. I've been in financial services at that point for about 15 years. Uh, and it just was simply, I had a bunch of old teammates. I say a bunch, probably two or three teammates that were getting ready to retire. And they were just coming to me saying, hey, can you just, I think you're in that financial world. Can you just look at what I'm doing? Can you look at my stuff uh, and just give me your perspective? They weren't asking to become a client. I wasn't asking them to become a client. Um, and so I just started looking at what they were doing. And, and what I realized is that I didn't grow up with any wealth. I was kind of a, I never wanted for anything. I was a lower middle class um, family. Um, but I was, had learned for the first 15 years of my career what other wealthy individuals were doing, what the, how they managed their money. And I realized they weren't doing any of those things. Um, they didn't have any personal finance um, you know, education around how money goes in and out of their life. Um, they didn't know what it cost. What I always like to ask, do you know what it costs to be you? Uh, no one, they had no idea what it costs to be them on a monthly or daily or an annual basis. So therefore they didn't have a plan in terms of how do I sustain my lifestyle? You know, most, most, uh, if you study the history of, of advice, financial advice, um, most of the advice in, in our industry was focused on the baby boomers. Um, and the majority of them were retiring at, at, at age 65. But when we built all the planning models, it was based on someone's life expectancy of 70. So you're doing some type of planning for five years before you die. Um, and when I looked at athletes, you know, they've had another 60, 70 years uh, to try to figure out what to do with their life. So it was a combination of, of investment issues, personal finance issues, but also what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Um, and so the light went on for me this is just, a, just over seven years ago that that's where I want to go all in now. I've accumulated enough knowledge. Um, the first couple of clients came really were just me trying to fix a, fix their, their post career. I wasn't working with them from the very beginning of their career. Uh, I'd never wanted to monetize athletes. I was always very protective of that uh, because I saw when I was digging in, there was a, it's a large uh, industry where it's like, how do I figure out how to make money off this person? And, and so I was not an entrepreneur. I was a, I, I worked for corporations um, because that's, that's what I wanted coming out of sports because I needed coaches and mentors. I didn't know how to run a business. That's, that wasn't what my strengths were. Um, and then I realized to, to build what I wanted to build, I had to start a business. I had to do that too. And so that was a huge leap for me uh, in terms of figuring out, you know, how do I, Someone else was paying the bills. Someone else was running office space. Someone else was being making sure we were in compliance, administration, legal, all that. Uh, and then all of a sudden, okay, I wanted to service a new group of clients, but also run a business. And that was like pretty overwhelming at first to, to try to conquer. So, so who are some of the, the, the top athletes that you work with today that you can share with us on our 76 Capital Leadership Series? So some of them are already out there in terms of the the media. So I, I try not to, to to name drop too much. But you know the, the first the first NBA draft uh, for me was 2011, uh, and that was that was a very good draft. Um, uh, Clay Thompson was in that draft. Uh, Nikola Vucevic was in that draft. Um, Isaiah Thomas, uh, and, and so if you think about it, even Isaiah, Isaiah was the last pick in the draft. You know, Clay was 11th. I think I think Nick was just a couple picks after after um, after Clay, but those those guys were I was I was learning from the very beginning. I had a lot of uh, experience on financial management, very limited amount of experience in um, in sports, and so just learning how they got paid, going through the entire pre-draft experience with them. Um, the ups and downs of the unknown of what's going to happen. All of a sudden, they're selected by a team. Then they have to move to that city. Um, then they have to get, you know, go through the the ups and downs of of just being in professional sports. It's a beast, um, especially when it, no matter if you're coming from a big major school and you did really well, jumping into the pros is a, is something that nobody can really be prepared for in advance, um, no matter how good you are. And so that's when I realized uh, in those first couple of years of working with with guys like that was that 
I, ca I call what we do financial life management. There's, there's, there's so much more of the personal aspect that takes place that goes far beyond teaching someone how to manage their money. Um, there's a lot of life stuff that goes on. Uh, and there's, it's, it's a cliche, but the old adage of personal finance is far more personal than finance. Uh, and, and so having the opportunity to work for three quality men like that, um, that were young men at the time that then all became all stars, you know, from a business side, obviously that's, that's pretty lucky for me to have someone guys like that, um, and see, you know, you can see Clay and that's Joe Lum who's been with me for, you know, been right by my side um, from the very beginning since we started this. Um, you know, that's a that's a milestone that, that Clay's hitting right there, getting his his jersey retired. And um, those aren't things when you wake up aspiring to be a professional athlete. You don't think about these types of things. That's a box that he's checking um, that really wasn't even on the goal list years ago. Um, right. And so. That's all the off the court stuff that make all the work worthwhile. Um, but just seeing someone grow and mature over time uh, is one of the best parts of my job. Yeah, that, that's 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 incredible. And again, I am so fortunate to have you on you on our 76 Capital Leadership Series, Joe. I mean, and Joe, you, you know, one of the things you talk about is, you know, what you do, you know, for your clients. Right. I mean, it's more than just as you said, managing money, it's really the personal side of things. Are, is, do you have a, a strategy or a plan that you sit down with your clients and, and, and work with them on, on whether they're an NBA player or an NFL player or a, or a, a PGA tour player? Like, is it different for, for the different clients that you have? It can be. Every personality is different. And what I learned over time, uh, no different than as a player that you've got to coach you coach each individual a little bit different based on their personality. Um, but, I, but what I do know from early on um, is you've got to get each client to buy in to what it is that you're trying to accomplish with them, not, not for them uh, or just you're doing the work and they're, they're not engaging. What I really want everyone to understand is that when I, when we begin the relationship, it really is about attaining a higher level of respect in their life. Um, because all of us, this is the first time that we're ever probably experiencing this type of um, opportunity with money and wealth, but also someone is, is getting to the, to the point where they're, they're about to lean into this dream that they've always had. Right? Um, so if it's an NFL player, an NBA player, what I want for them, if this is year one of their career, is what I hope for them is three years from now, when the next number one draft pick walks into the locker room, I want them to walk straight to their locker because everyone knows that they're the pros pro at what they do. They handle their business on the field or off the court or on the court, but they also handle their, their business off the field and off the court. And a lot of those skills are not something that you could have ever attained if you went to college. Um, those are life skills in terms of how do you run your life? How do you get organized? How do you educate yourself over time um, that I want to give to them that will make make sure that they have a high level, higher level of respect in the locker room. Because I'll remind them, if, if, if they don't know who the knuckleheads are in the locker room, it's probably them. Uh, and, and so I've, I've come into, in my business, I've worked with a lot of knuckleheads uh, that we've been able to, to get them to buy in and they've become a pros pro. But I've also realized that there are some individuals that don't wanna buy in and don't wanna be part of the plan uh, and I would advise everyone on this. Those are people that you probably shouldn't work with because I tried to work with them all. Uh, and my rule of thumb now is I have three young kids. If, if I can't introduce you to my kids, then you can't become a client. And I mean that somewhat metaphorically because I'm not going to introduce everyone to my kids because it, it's not, not that easy to do. But I just want everyone to understand if I'm going to work my butt off for you and leave my family, and go all in with you, then you've got to be all in too. Well, we've certainly seen each other all over the country in Las Vegas. Most recently, I think at the NBA All-Star Game, it was probably one of the last trips that we all did in Chicago when it was absolutely freezing. And now we're sitting here in the middle of this crazy pandemic, um, which is, you know, happy to see that you're you're healthy and, and doing the right thing. And uh, that's, that's amazing, amazing that, um, that that's happening. And how do you, 
talk with your your clients during this time and your players who many of which are some of going back into the bubble um they're still going to start with the nba others golfs they're, they're playing golf now um how are you dealing with that with a number of your clients well we were kind of joking at first like just me saying like i need you all to go back to work like you're driving me nuts you know a lot of them were you know did really good job they saved a bunch of money but you know I think we're all doing a little bit of Amazon shopping, but when you have a lot of money, you get very creative as to how to spend it. Uh, and so the, the longer we were in, in this quarantine, the, the more creative a lot, of, a lot of the guys were getting in terms of how to spend it. So I'm anxious to get them back to work, but it, it's just been, it's been interesting is not the word. It's been a very difficult time for everybody, um, not just because of the climate, uh, that they're in with the unknown of being in the bubble um, or a baseball a player that, you know, just went from 162 games to 60 games to really the unknown is like, are we really going to finish these seasons out? That's still an unknown. Uh, golf, you know, we, we've had a couple players test positive and then have to be quarantined and then go home uh, and then think about, do I want to go back on tour? Some of them have young families. Uh, some of them have grandparents that live close to them that they want to be careful. So there's there's a there's a lot of stuff going on that that, that exceeds sports. Um, and then obviously with Black Lives Matter and, and trying to ha take a stance or have an understanding as to how you want to play a role in this, how I personally want to play a role in this, how our company should play a role in this. Um, so it has sparked a lot of thoughtful conversations for us. Uh, and the beauty of it, we've been able to do a lot of this on on Zoom, like um, or on on different video um, formats. So uh, ideally, maybe I get off the road a little bit more in the future, uh, and we we have more engagements like this, um, so I could be around a little bit more for my family. Um, but it, it, the conversations have gotten so good. Um, there's been a little bit of that. Okay, I need to get you back to work, um, but for the most part. Um, it's been a lot more thoughtful conversations. So when you have these conversations, I mean, you know, the typical, and I, I wouldn't certainly wouldn't call, you know, Joe McLean from uh, Intersect Capital, the typical money manager, but because mm -hmm. a typical money manager deals with money and then they, and many um, top athletes have their agent, they could have a marketing agent, they could have a manager, they could have all sorts of other people around them. What's the relationship that you have with your clients? Is it is is it different um, than your sort of your your typical financial um, advisor? I think so. You know, a typical financial advisor say let's say it's non sports. You know, you may have a client. You set up a financial plan. You put an investment portfolio in place, and maybe you, you check in four times a year. Uh, and initially, the reason why people were doing it four times a year is because that's when they were charging their fees. So they had to jump on a call to justify their fees. So all of a sudden, everyone talked four times a year. Um, a lot of our clients we talk to every day. There, you know, there's there's typically financial transactions that go in and out of their life every single day. Um, that's a great picture, by the way. That was uh, that was in Cleveland, and the Warriors had just won the uh, NBA championship, uh, and they had rented out Morton's in Cleveland. And it was two in the morning and everybody was having a good time. Clay gets in an elevator uh, and Dexter Fowler, who's in that picture, is in the elevator. And the Chicago Cubs had just flown in to play the Indians the next day. And so we grabbed the Cubs and the Warriors and those guys all partied at Morton's all night. Um, but the beauty of all that is, is different sports and there's that mutual admiration club. So Dexter follows Clay, Clay follows Dexter, Clay's brother is in, is in Major League Baseball. They all wanna talk about each other's sports. And so, you know, even at Intersect, that's part of the value as you're talking about outside of just talking about financial plans or how you talk to someone on a daily basis is just getting them to connect. You know, what's your personal experience in terms of, um, we just had an event uh, a couple of weeks ago, a very small one, to where one person's talking about their mindset in the batter's box. One's talking about got to hit a big shot, um, you know, in, in in the playoff situation. To 
another a golfer who's standing at the first tee at Augusta, the first time he's ever played it. His heart's racing. He can't even feel his hands. His hands are so sweaty. And it's like, how do I take this club back? Right? And they're actually having these conversations as to their mindset and what they're thinking about. Um, the answer to all, any golfers out there is what he said was, grip it as hard as you can and swing as hard as you can. And who cares where it goes? Just hit the ball as hard as you can. That was that's what <laughs> you probably can't do that when you're trying to hit a free throw um, or, or, you know, hit a curveball when it's a three, two count. But that was the advice for all the golfers, golfers out there. Um, but that's, 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 I think is if you build a business and these are relationships that you want to have forever. Um, this is not something to where when someone retires, you're out of their life. You're probably, you're more, you need them, you need to be around even more so. So if you could create these connective, connective relationships, um, around mutual respect, but I also think it's it's important that none of the clients should ever feel like I'm judging them, right? Like who am I to judge someone in terms of how they're living their life day to day? We all have ups and downs, including myself. But if we could have a relationship where we talk about it, we work through it, we come up with solutions uh, that where you can see, you know, you're in a low low situation. How do we get back to a more balanced life? Um, those are the that's those are the relationships that I think you sh we should also be seeking, and you got to work your ass off for it. But I think that's what makes it worth worthwhile every single day. Um, and it's not about running a business. It's not about making money. Uh, for me personally, um, that if you get to a point where if I can, I know I'm paying the bills, then you just try to be great at what you do. Over time, things will work out. Like um, I'm an entrepreneur that probably doesn't have a business plan put in place every single day. But I know, you know, from what I learned from Coach Olson to the coaches before then, you got to make sure no one ever outworks you uh, and find other like minded people that you want to be a part of the community that also think the same way. Um, and you'll work through problems and you'll help solve problems together. Uh, and and collectively, that's that's what it's about. Um, I don't live a very balanced life. I, I love my this this work. I think I live a very harmonized life. My kids know what I do. My wife knows what I do every single day. Um, I work around their schedules. They work around mine. When I leave the house, they know why I'm leaving. Um, the clients know, you know, a lot about my life too. We, you know, we share the, the, the day to days. Um, and I think that's very valuable in terms of running a business. Uh, and if, whether my title is financial advisor, that's the title, but you can, you can, you can live this harmonized life uh, and it's not about titles. It's just getting really, really good at what you do. Um, and you find more time to do other things and be a part of it. And, um, you know, that's Charlie, my, my giant eight year old, um, who, you know, we just had a golf tournament yesterday and unfortunately he has a relationship with a lot of our PGA golfers. And if he makes a bogey, he thinks he's terrible because he watches these guys, perform at the, at the highest level. So I've got to show them from time to time how to make double bogey, which I can be good at. Um, but I think that harmonized life, it, it, that works really well for me. Wow, at eight bogey, I mean, I, I'll take that all know. day, you know? So, you know. <laughs> that's that's amazing, that's amazing. Look, I think what you just talked about, I mean, it's, it's, it, is, it is unique. Um, the types of relationships and how you're able to build that, you know, with your with your clients, and it's why I think you've been able to build such a successful business at Intersect Capital, and I, I applaud you for that. Um, it's it's really it's impressive, and it's something that you know we aspire to here at Seventy Six Capital about building the right relationships. Because when we invest in entrepreneurs, we try to help them. We need to help them grow their business. So if we don't have a good relationship with them, then you know how's how's this all going to work out in the you know moving forward so it's something that we we think about a lot and you know in our business is is in the venture capital business so many times we're starting companies you know starting sports tech companies starting companies in the sports betting industry in the esports world and doing trying to do the next next thing to sort of have those kinds of relationships are incredibly important you know what happens from that perspective what happens in in, in your world when a one of your top uh, or any of your clients come to you with a with a startup or, you know, or, or some kind of entrepreneurial idea where their friend's going to start a company. How do you deal with those types of things that are not your, 
you know, the, the stocks or bonds that a typical financial um, advisor would deal with. Yeah, it, it certainly, it happens a lot, right? So um, especially in sports, what I've found, let's say we build a plan and 10% of the, the money is, I have, I have three buckets and I think it's defining that so that when they come to me, um, then we, we know what lane that, that we're operating in. So I have a safety and security bucket where there's always two years worth of cash uh, that, that sits in there for just an, I never planned for quarantine, but having two years of cash happened to be the best thing that they could have ever done um, to be prepared for that. Um, we're paying off all any mortgages because no client is, is allowed to retire with debt. Um, once they've filled that, then they have a growth bucket, which is this is this is streams of income that we want to create over time that will help sustain their lifestyle. So it may be some form of uh, equity plan, bonds, real estate. Um, so you have that in place. And then that reserves the right for the third bucket, which is I call the entrepreneurial bucket. Um, and by the way, you've got to fill the first two before you, bec you can become an entrepreneur. Um, a lot of times when I lay out those three buckets, the first bucket they want to fill is that entrepreneurial dream bucket. And so it's a quick reminder of you're living your dream right now. Right? So your, your, your number one venture capital fund is your jump shot. That's where you're going to get the, the strongest investment return right now, uh, especially the way that they're paying contracts. So as long as we filled the first two, that's reserved the right now to have this conversation um, that you're talking about. And so the, the more we can build a community of just other trusted resources, I've found that you know, the hard part is, is trust, obviously, in terms of who you're working with. Um, and in the short term, I don't trust anybody, uh, especially with other people's money. So the longer uh, we can spend in just building relationships where there's a level of credibility that we've seen, a level of reliability uh, and predictability as to what this experience would be like, um, then that leads to better conversations. So if it's just a friend coming saying, hey, I have a great idea. So you go through one meeting, I always say, what does the second meeting look like? First meetings are always great, they feel good, sound good. What about the second meeting? What about the third meeting? Uh, and so the more we can collectively first have a process as to how we think about what it is that you're interested in, uh, is this something that you would lean into uh, in life after sports that you want to be a part of? Um, can we spend more time versus money early on so that you really learn about it um, and get to understand it? Um, and if we put someone through that, it really helps because that's the hard part. A lot of clients get hit every day from somebody, right? And first is how do you say it's, it? I always say say no first because it's easier to turn a no into a maybe into a yes than just saying yes right out of the gate and trying to pull back and say no. Um, so that 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 does lead to good conversations. I'd rather, um, whether in any of the private markets, I'd rather work with other people that that's what they do every single day uh, and be able to bounce off uh, ideas and concepts with them so that they know it's more than just me and our team, um, that there are specialists, no matter what team they're on, you have specialists in what they do um, and that was hard for me early on uh, as you're starting a business. It's like, how do I let go a little bit? And so the, if I can find that trusted network of communities where I see credibility and I see reliability and consistency, um, then that'll open up to a bigger uh, pot, pot of for me to serve. If I'm able to have a collective community with people like yourself that we can lean on and know that they're going to have our clients could have the exact same experience talking to you. Uh, and your team as they do with us, then that's very powerful too. Um, but it is more time than money early on because um, the venture capital world or private equity, it's 90% of their headspace right now. It's the, it's the hot topic, right? But it's really five to 10% of their money. In terms of my, at least for us, in terms of oh, and, and and that's that's really important. It's really important to think about that. I mean, especially in the world you know that that we play in seventy six capital, where you know we work with very young startup companies, and you know the number of these companies, unfortunately, we know they're not going to work. Well, we hope that when we pick them, they're, they're the right ones, but right. we know they're not all going to work. So it's it's a situation where you know you really want to be in a in, in a situation where you you got to you got to make sure that you're 
your base is taken care of before you start playing in, the, in this world. And, yeah. and as you talked about, it's one of the reasons why, you know, we've, it's been really interesting over the last few years with the strategic partnership that we have with a, a, a sports marketing firm called Rubicon Town that works with lots of different athletes, similar types of, you know, sports like you, NFL players, basketball players, you know, um, you know, Olympic athletes, broadcasters, et cetera, where instead of them kind of just, you know, going and saying, I don't really know what's going on in this world. We've been able to develop this really nice relationship where we just go back and forth and we trade ideas and we trade deals. And many of the, those, and many of that after time, right. Mm -hmm. We've developed relationships where a number of those athletes have decided, you know what, this is a good way for me to invest. This is a good way to be able to, you know, have exposure to the venture capital business. Because I think one of the things, and I, I wanted to ask you this, Joe, is, you know, um, it's, is, is the fact that, you know, to make an investment in an entrepreneurial business or even start one of those companies, it takes a lot of time, mm -hmm. right? And you have to actually monitor it and work on it. And so one of the things we find is a number of the, the athletes that work with us, they're, they're, they're leaned in because they actually are in a, invested in a type of business that they have experience in, that they actually can really add some value. That is, if it's a basketball company, having a basketball player involved. You know, having it, you know, if it's a baseball company, there's a baseball guy who actually can put his hands on the ball and say, you know, this, this feels right. Or, you know, I don't know if, if you kind of talk to your, your um, guys about that, where it's, you know, sometimes it could be a biotech company, it could be the greatest thing in the world, but really just don't know much about that. How do you, do you deal with that? Yeah. I mean, it's, we have some clients that honestly, they, they don't want to be a part of it. And so it, it, it just becomes a, uh, the, the private market has become a tool to get access to something to make a quality investment or, you know, to play in that space. So, you know, not everybody wants to to touch it and feel it and be a part of it. They, um, some of them, you're making so much money, then that other time that they have, they want to go mountain biking or, you know, do other coaching or stuff like that. That's what's valuable to them. They don't want to be an entrepreneur. So we have those. So then it's just about educating and being transparent as to what it is that they're investing in. And then we have others um, that I think some of the best tools that you can have, as, as you mentioned, is in the off season, spending as much time as you can learning about what it, what it takes to be an entrepreneur um, so that you could lend a better, better quality hand to those entrepreneurs. Because I, I'll be honest with you, when I first came out in, I, I, I recommend a lot of athletes to go get a, if you want to get into something, go get a job, go get, go, go have a boss where someone no different than your coach is, is giving you some sense of accountability as to what to do and learn, learn from the ground up. Um, because I've seen a lot of, of athletes where it's immediate. Okay. I was a professional athlete. I was very successful. Now I'm an, now I'm an entrepreneur running a business and I don't think you have the tools to run a business. So the more you could spend time with those entrepreneurs and with people that manage entrepreneurs uh, and learning what it takes from the ground up, you know, punching the clock day in and day out, then you have a much a better understanding as to where you could gain and you can give insight um, because you can't just jump from one high level to the next high level uh, of, of doing something. I think you really got to grind it out. Um, and it's important to understand what it, what it looks like to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, we, we completely agree on that. It's been, it's been fascinating. I know I've, I've, I've watched some of your, your interviews in the past and where you've talked about, you've had some of your uh, clients actually come in and work with you. We've have a similar thing with our athlete venture group where they come in and spend some time with us if they want. Again, it's, it all depends on everyone's, everyone's different. I mean, yeah. everyone doesn't want to be an entrepreneur. Some do, some don't. Um, some want to be an entrepreneur and then realize what it is. And they're like, no, nah, this isn't for me. Um, I'm pretty, pretty entrepreneurial in my, on the, on the court or wherever it is. And that's, that's, that's my, that's my place. Um, but then at the same time, you know, you have this, and, and we touched on it a little bit, and I, I'd love to get your, your thoughts on this. And, you know, one of the last things that we'll, we'll talk about, I think, feel like we could, uh, you know, we could go on all day, Joe. And uh, again, it's a really appreciate your time on our 76 Capital Leadership Series, having, you know, Joe McLean, um, managing partner of Intersect Capital, you know, really someone who is, is someone who works with some of the top athletes um, from a money management perspective. And, and Joe, just uh, one of the things that's just would love to sort of touch on is, you know, you're I'm sure some of your clients today who 
have been asked to do a little bit more or thinking to do a little bit more or maybe wanting to um, express themselves um, in the world today because of everything we mentioned black lives matters mentioned the social responsibility things that are going on there there's the fact that this we're in the middle of this terrible um pandemic um how do you advise them um to to make sure that they're you know to help them through sort of thinking through what they're going to say what they're going to do during this time i i, I think it's coming collectively with a team, right? So if it's something you want to say, I think it's good to bounce things off um, other professionals because not always not always what you're feeling comes out and, and not your, your feelings don't always equate to what you're saying. Um, and very early on, especially with, uh, you probably saw the emotional swings of the investment market when Mark, things were going down, we moved to a very irrational thought, which is the fight or flight mechanisms that we have in our brain. And until you put language on it, you can't move back to a more rational thought, which is where the rational part of your brain exists. Um, and so some of these things are just talking it through in advance as to what you're feeling. Uh, the next step I would recommend is reading um, and, and, and thinking about the quality of the people that you spend the most time with. Right. Because I think it really uh, your success in the future will be based on the things that you read and the people you spend time the most time with. Uh, and so it's important to think about right now in the moments of distress and, and a lot of the, the new change that we want to come about, it's gonna take quality people to get this done. And so start thinking about who are you spending your time around? Uh, and can those people in partnership with you help uplift where you wanna go? It's helping me start thinking about how do I help ask better questions. As an example, we're talking about the Black Lives Matter. Our, our clients own a lot of tax-free bonds and digging deeper into the bonds that they own that potentially subsidize a lot of the cities uh, and potentially some of the, the police forces. I'm not coming out saying defund the police, um, but understand what we own uh, and understand bottom line, where does that money end up in, in whose hands? And we can start being more selective um, it, it's, it's going to be more work on our end. It's going to be more, but we want more transparency, but right now people are willing to, un, to take a deeper, deeper dive into this and start focusing on what, what is it that we own? What companies do I own? Do I believe in that? Um, you know, so there's a lot of, there's the ESG investing that uh, a lot of people have talked about, you know, that's, uh, you know, environmental, social and governance. Environmental has always been a hot topic for people that really want to have that type of investing. So is governance, but not the social. And so we're starting to really dig deeper in to include factors that we can screen to where you own what you want to own. Uh, and I think a lot of athletes over the last five years have, have gained that ownership mentality, which is great, right? Owning your own content, uh, owning you know the time that you put in on the court and off the court, um, but you can do the same thing when it comes to investing, um, you know, no different than what you were talking about in terms of investing in things that you're passionate about, but also investing to make a change. Uh, and so gosh, 21 years ago, you think, I, I, I mean, the fact that we're having these types of conversations five years ago, I mean, it's this, everything continues to evolve. And that's, that's, I think when we started this conversation was about having a little bit of that mindset that you don't know nothing about nothing. And so if you want to come out and make a change, act as if you know nothing first. Dig in and educate yourself as much as you possibly can so that you could go from having a, an opinion to a point of view. They're two very different things, right? A point of view has something that has a track record, uh, that has some type of you know, facts attached to it, that has an experience that you've personally had, and now you have a foundation of information to then have a point of view. If you speak too quickly and you don't have the track record and the experience, it's just an opinion. And quite often, when you, if you really want to make a difference, an opinions are irrelevant. And so the more we can help each other have a, a point of view to then go out and affect change, then I think that's very powerful. Incredibly powerful words. I mean, you're talking about the social capital that these 
that you're these athletes, these individuals, many of all of us, right, have this opportunity to really make change. And it's one of the reasons why, you know, we do these 76 Capital Leadership Series. It's one of the reasons why we love to share our philosophy at 76 Capital of wanting to work with passionate and smart and nice people who want to change the world. And that's whether they're an entrepreneur, that's whether it's another, you know, a colleague of ours, like, like you, like a, 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 an athlete. I mean, we, we just want to make sure that we work with the right kinds of people who want to do big things and make this world a better place. So Joe, I really appreciate you taking the time and joining our 76 Capital Leadership Series and wish you and your family, you know, more, you know, you know, health and, and, and safety and just be, just be careful out there. And, uh, I wish you wish you the best. So thank you so much for joining. I appreciate it, Wayne. I, and I would just offer out for everyone that's experiencing, um, you know, our conversation, uh, and you know, you want to get gather more information. I, I I love learning from other people. So if you have comments, feedback, um, I welcome it so that we can keep trying to build this network community. Absolutely, and you can find Joe um, on Twitter at Joe McLean fifteen, um, as well as at. You can look him up uh, at Intersect Capital and um, please you know, reach out uh, to, to us as well on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. You can subscribe to our 76 Capital Leadership Series um, on YouTube as well. Again, Joe, thank you so much for joining and I hope everyone has a great day. You got it. Enjoy the day.